Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation, 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org, in partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Talk to a human? What? Getting in touch with our doctor today means routing and rerouting, sometimes through a very complex phone tree. By the time you, as a patient, gets through to the office scheduler or a central call center, you feel frustrated, right? Well, you're not alone. Long wait times in healthcare facility call centers accounts for the number one reason for patient dissatisfaction. But facilities don't have the number of administrative staff anymore to, you know, really efficiently and cost effectively operate without them. Well, in comes Ciara, a quality assurance technology company that is helping organizations, including those in healthcare, spot problems and help the company to solve them before the customers find them or the patients find them and hang up. Dennis Reno, Senior Vice President of the Customer Experience, is going to be here in a few minutes to talk about the biggest call center fails and how to fix them. If you have horror stories to share about your call center experiences with healthcare facilities, pick up the phone, call in 1-888-367-5329-888. Three six seven five three two nine. This is going to be a great show, John. What do you think? I think so. I'm I'm pretty excited. We had a had a busy week, right, uh, Kim? And oh, I, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to share something real quick because yeah. last episode we we talked about aneurysms, and the, it, it it came to light that the reporter at the World Cup died from an aneurysm dissection that that ultimately you know. Um, nobody could have could have fixed so we were talking about that in columbus uh, about aneurysms and, and risks um and um you know trying to get patients like like we do every week on this show get raise patient education awareness towards right. aneurysm so it was kind of a timely um a timely show and you were on tv uh, that was a rumor for like 30 <laughs> seconds yeah and um you, you know I, you know I'm, I'm obsessed with quotes and uh, like for me, I always worry about what people think about me. But I, I, I heard this quote that um, uh, I forget who who said it, but he he basically said, you know, you'll you'll start to worry less about what other people think about you when you realize how little they actually do. <laughs> so um, that's a good one to chew on, actually. Yeah, no, that actually that is very, very, very true. <laughs> it is. It is. But Was no, that I, your? Oh, go ahead. Was that your spectacular vascular photo no, no. of the day? Gosh, no. Gosh, no. <laughs> but I was going to say Dr. that um, also in terms Phillips. of that. 
Oh, there you go. Vascular moment of inspiration. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about call centers, telephones, right? So who invented the telephone? None other than Alexander Graham Bell. He had a lot of good quotes just kind of about, um, you know, perseverance and, and always trying to be positive, I think. And he, there was a ton to look you know, choose from. But the one that I, that kind of caught my attention was he's quoted as saying, when one door closes, another door opens, but we so often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the ones which open up for us. So yes, doors close on you, but there's always doors that open up. So no, got to stay positive. Life is short. It, it And that is so important when it comes to healthcare. And we have so many, um, friends around the world that are suffering from so many different chronic illnesses and they go to one doctor and the doctor says, oops, can't help you. They go to another doctor, oops, can't help you. But if they keep looking in so many cases, we find, especially through my organization, the way to my heart is what we try to do is we try to find those open doors for them. Even if there aren't real life and limb saving answers, at least the door is open and someone is there to listen and find some sort of resolve for someone. So always look for those open doors. I, I think that that was definitely perfect. Yeah, yeah. and um, life is full of, you, know, you fail. And another thing that actually Thomas Edison said about, you know, I, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I just figured out new ways to do things that didn't work 10,000 times. So we always have to keep keep on persevering. My son, we had, his, had a basketball real quick. He had a basketball game. He, he followed out and he was just down in the dumps. And I said, you know, Jack, this is an opportunity for you to, you know, kind of hit rock bottom here, but you've got to pick up your boot, boot lace, you know, tie your shoes again, get going brother. Cause uh, you got to keep playing. So all sorts of lessons in life today for on this show. Right. And I, you know, and honestly, I think that that is even completely apropos for the call center. You know, you have one, you, you fail in one that you get hung up on. You got to dial again. You got to dial again. You got to dial again. Right, Dennis? Absolutely. <laughs> so Dennis, he's with Ciara. They're a quality assurance platform uh, for these call centers. Welcome. Thanks for, for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's interesting to have some folks interested in this type of technology and certainly the types of problems we try to not only fix, but prevent. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Do you have anything to relate to some of the comments that we've had so far um, and, and some of the quotes? Well, you know, it's funny to hear Alexander Graham Bell quoted because my first job in my professional life was for the Bell system. I worked for Pacific what? Bell and oh. my job was collecting overdue phone bills in East Oakland, California. So that was a job where you didn't talk to happy people. And I was the guy who told you were disconnecting your phone today at five o'clock because you haven't paid your bill. So, John, your quote from Alexander Graham Bell rang through to my roots in the bell system. So I'm you. happy. To, oh, oh, you know, sorry. I, I just had some coffee in my mouth because I was drinking out of my new Save My Piggies mug for those that are watching. Thanks. I got to put a plug into Kim on that one. <laughs> and we do have a great guest, actually. Um uh, a woman who is amazing. Her name is Connie, and she was actually a supervisor for the North Carolina Highway Patrol Center. And she is going to be our Save My Piggies guest coming up later on in the show. So you don't want to miss her not only limb saving story, but also some life saving stories that she possibly has from her her time there in the call center. Yeah, I, I think that uh, at least reading some of her story, she 
she never gave up too, though, right? I mean, it's it's always about perseverance and, and just never quitting. So this, that that'll be a good save in my piggies. Um, we've got what about a minute left in, before we we go to break. Um, Kim, what uh, what else what else you got on on the um, the burner this weekend? Are you doing anything fun? No, um, I you know literally just working on um, getting the um, we have a we're doing our first in person event in uh, Texas. We've done one in Chicago. We're going to be getting together with some um, patients who have peripheral artery disease. That's that um, restricted blood flow in in mainly the leg arteries. We're going to be getting together there doing in-person seminars. We're going to be learning about some of the new treatment options that are available there. So we're going to, um, you're going to hear more about that probably in the next couple of weeks. So we're excited about that coming up. Fantastic. Fantastic. So stay with us right here on the Heart of Innovation. We're going to get into the heart of it, the heart of the call center. So stay with us. You don't want to miss the horror stories that Dennis is going to share. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're joined with uh, Dennis, uh, who works for Sierra, uh, trying to help kind of I guess, close the, those gaps between me calling in, uh, you know, to a physician's office and, and, you know, getting in touch with somebody. And we were just during the break kind of talking about working in a call center is like being a doctor, probably like a, an ER doctor, right? Because you're just triaging and you're trying to just keep your head above water. And, and Dennis, I guess, speaking of keeping your head above water, what, open enrollment for health insurance, ended this week and so i imagine those call center lights were blinking pretty heavily they were flashing and i think the executives responsible for a lot of those healthcare call centers had a lot of fatigue this week but were relieved that it was over and And i think most of the heavy lifting that ciara has done is always in preparation for open enrollment helping clients our customers prepare for heavy loads you know large volumes large call volumes and healthcare industry is known for seasonal call volumes that that spike uh, and he- helping them prevent gotcha. you know meltdowns is kind of what our specialty is. <laughs> yeah, so I and guess you guys have a software that actually tests these systems that you sit there, you call in, you call in. Is it is that automated or do you have humans also 
that help to test out these systems to see if they're going to collapse or have a huge you know, meltdown. It's, it's our technology uses what we call synthetic calls. So they're not actually not a bunch of people sitting around dialing in, but it is a software that emulates call volumes. And, and we kind of ask them, how high do you want to go? Do you want 20,000 calls hitting your call center? Do you want 5,000 calls? And we do a load test that tells them how well their systems and their agents can handle how much call volumes. And, you know, it's up to so them to do it, some forecasting, but we help them, you know, prepare for these large volumes by testing their systems so is that kind of like a sp- the speed test we'll sometimes do to, to check the integrity of our internet you know, how yes fast it you is can okay. it's, a, it's yeah. a lot like that it's a lot not only does it measure the call volumes and and the load test but also call quality so is there static on your lines is voice quality good the last thing you want is for somebody who's waited on hold for an hour to speak to an agent and then can't understand them or the call quality is bad that just really frustrates the customers even more because then they either have to hang up and call in again or they get transferred neither one of those are or great or it just drops out yes. or you get all the way through and suddenly you get cut off in a transfer and you have to start all over again. Yes, what we call a dropped call or a call failure. Yes, that just makes the customer infuri- infuriated. So we try to avoid that. That's why we do a lot of testing ahead of these seasonal issues. And so, so what are some companies- of the other problems? Um, Some of the other problems, you know, to me, I always think about it. It's kind of like where East meets West, right? It's like where technology meets the human element, right? So you have you know, technology that routes calls and puts customers in queue and probably plays them a message or gives them a choice where they want their call to go. But then there's the human element of who creates that call tree or the IVR that we call it an interactive voice response. But then there's also the agents who answer the phone. There's a lot of human elements. And when the human being is involved, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And I'm sure John, I'm sure you live that every day. (laughs) We, cer- we certainly do. But I, I guess my question is, do companies seek you guys out? And the, 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 the companies that obviously have a call center like, um, you know, or maybe some of our health system like Ohio Health that I work for, it, would, would they come to you and say, hey, help us with our call center? We're having issues. We need you to troubleshoot for me or something like that. You know, there's there's a lot of ways that customers get to us, but I think the most prominent way is you have businesses that are become very conscious of what the customer experience is like when a, when a customer or a client or a patient calls them. And they want that experience to be a good one because there's a lot of competition out there. And if customers are or patients get frustrated by their experience trying to reach a live person, that's going to cost them business, going to cost them money. And there are even some industries that are penalized by not having easy or quick access to a human being. And so when you have a lot of savvy executives that say, you know, I need to know what I don't know, are calls dropping? Are they blocked? Are they reaching static? And it's people ask me what keeps me up at night. And I always say, you know, it's it's not knowing what I don't know. And 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 I think with the pandemic and you hear that terminology come up a lot these days, you have a lot of call centers that are now routing calls to people's homes. Right. You have work from home agents. So now rather than just routing into one centralized call center where you might have a a sophisticated system, you're now routing calls to people's homes. And what is that call quality like? Right. Is there a lot of background noise? Are there children crying or their dogs barking? And and is there static on the line? Is there any problem with calls getting through? And suddenly we've had a lot of companies come to us and say, hey, help us figure out what's happening in our call center that we don't know about. And that's when our technology comes some. Yes, there have to be some unique challenges there. That must be more difficult than dealing with just one 
based call center. What are some of those issues that you deal with? Do you have any crazy horror stories? You know, uh, one of the one that immediately comes to mind is we had a client, a large healthcare company, and we started doing testing on their lines, and they had a lot of toll free numbers coming in for different, you know, different regions or different insurance plans or or what have you. And we found in one simple test, we found that there were over 60 toll-free numbers that rang nowhere. They did not get reach an agent at all. They didn't even get a cue that said, you know, thanks for calling. They got nothing, just dead air when they called. And they, they were horrified by that. They thought, oh my God, what has happened, right? And you find that sometimes they have a specific toll-free number for a specific campaign or a marketing campaign. And, and, you know, that campaign stops and somebody forgets to terminate that service and somebody still has that number published somewhere and they dial it. And I think that was a frightening thing for us to tell one of our clients. It was that you have this many numbers that you're not only paying for, but people are dialing and they're not getting an answer. And you know what? It's interesting. John brought up a really good point. It's like, well, how do they find you? Why do they find you? But why don't they just test it themselves? Do you find that these, the executives of these companies even know what happens in their own call centers? They they don't actually. And, you know, I've done a lot of speaking about about customer service and what it's like serving the public. And and in those conversations I have, I've been in, you know, large hotel banquet facilities and you ask these executives, you know, when was the last time you dialed your toll free number to reach one of your agents? Let's have a show of hands. Not one hand would go up. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how can you spend so much money on technology and the labor and you've never just picked up the phone and dialed it to see what the customer experiences when they try to reach you? And that strikes a chord. And I thought, you know, now now you have a large group of people that have a heightened awareness is I don't know what my customer experiences when they're trying to reach us. So you and and I, and I think there's a lot of changes in the world these days, and you want to find out are your customers happy? You want repeat business, but if you don't know what they're experiencing and you don't know what that customer experience is like, you have no idea how much money or how many customers you might be losing because of a bad experience. And I would think it'd be really a lot harder with patients because you, you, are they really listening to the patients and the patients saying, "Hey, I can't get through." Yes, we have a lot of that. I'll, I'll tell you one of my my not so great stories is we had a healthcare company. You know, and most healthcare companies at some point in their um, phone tree it says, you know, if this is an emergency, please hang up and dial nine one one. And we found most healthcare companies had that as the last part of the announcement when it should be first, right? If you're having a crisis, you should hear I should call nine one one early in that conversation, not at right. the end of a lengthy queue that's given you nine or ten choices of how to reach different departments. And that's a common mistake that we see with a lot of of uh, phone trees in the in the healthcare industry is making sure that your 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 prompts make a lot of sense. And that was a common mistake. And coming up right here on The Heart of Innovation, we'll hear more from Dennis about some horror stories in the call center. And we (laughs) also have our amazing Save My Piggies guest. You don't want to miss Connie's life and limb saving stories. So stay with us. Your doctor says take a statin. And you want to know more about this class of drugs. Hello, I'm Kim McNicholas, founder of The Way to My Heart with this week's Medical Notepad, brought to you by Cardiovascular Systems Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation, and Patient Support Network, The Way to My Heart. What are statins? Technically, they're known as HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors. Why? Because they work by reducing the liver's production of cholesterol, 
by blocking the enzyme called HMG-CoA reductase that the liver uses to make cholesterol. Simply put, this class of drugs helps your body reduce the levels of fats in your blood, including triglycerides and cholesterol. Extra fats in the blood can build up in the main area of the artery and inside the artery walls, which can restrict blood flow in different areas of the body. It's standard practice to prescribe statins if you have high cholesterol in a basic lipid panel. It's also standard practice to prescribe statins if your basic lipid panel results are normal, if you have already been diagnosed with heart disease or peripheral artery disease. Now, you might wonder why that's the case. If the basic lipid panel doesn't show a high level of cholesterol in your blood, then why would you need a statin? Having plaque buildup in the arteries indicates to the doctor that you still likely have a quality issue with your cholesterol versus just a quantity issue when it comes to especially the so-called bad cholesterol, the LDLs, meaning you might have more small, dense LDL particles versus the large, fluffy ones. And those smaller ones tend to get into the most trouble in our arteries, sneaking into damaged areas of the vessel wall and building up so much that the wall pushes into the main area of the artery, blocking blood flow. Some doctors have an advanced lipid panel that they can perform to prove this imbalance, but the solution they offer you will still be the same. Take a statin, which is why many don't offer this additional test. When your doctor offers you a prescription for a statin, don't be afraid to ask questions. Yes, statins can play an integral role in your overall health strategy to help reduce cardiovascular risk and mortality, but it's also important to have a discussion about it. Since statins are only one tool in your tool chest in the fight against heart disease and peripheral artery disease, it's important to include in that discussion what might be damaging your arteries, causing that plaque buildup? Knowing this can help you to learn what other steps can be taken, such as lifestyle modifications, to further mitigate your risk for disease progression and keep your statin dosage at a lower level. You can talk about additional blood work that may include genetics, diabetes, homocysteine levels caused by your body not effectively turning food into fuel autoimmune conditions, and so much more. Other things to discuss? Well, how about the criteria the doctor uses for prescribing a statin and why you meet that criteria? You can also ask whether a statin sensitivity test might be warranted in your case to determine if you have a predisposition to common side effects of a statin. And speaking of side effects, ask what are the, the most common ones and which one should make you pick up the phone and talk about switching to a different brand? Ask about the dosage and if it's low, medium, or high. And what is the safest, most effective to start with for you? And how would those levels progress over time? And what would make those levels progress or even decrease over time? You can also always ask which statin is the most effective and has the least side effects. But keep in mind that insurance may only cover the lowest cost option first. It might be that the first option works, but if not, you may have to experiment with a few before you and your doctor settle on the best one for you. You could even ask if your physician can calculate your Framingham risk score and what your risk is of having a cardiovascular event in the next 10 years 
a higher score makes a stat more effective. And don't be afraid to ask about a referral to a registered dietitian to try and improve your numbers naturally first. But do make sure you have a follow-up appointment set along with blood work to review your progress. And finally, if you read a lot on Dr. Google, print out what you find, create questions that are based on those search results, and have a consult with your doctor simply to discuss those findings and your concerns. And if your physician won't entertain your questions, that's a red flag. Find a physician who will give you the comfort and confidence you need to do what it takes to live a better quality of life. With this week's Medical Notepad, I'm Kim McNicholas, founder of The Way to My Heart. Medical Notepad is brought to you by Cardiovascular Systems Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation, and Patient Support Network, The Way to My Heart. Remember that the advice and views offered here are for informational and educational purposes only. Do not act on any information provided in this series without the explicit consent from your healthcare team. For more information on peripheral artery disease, go to standagainstamputation.com. And for real-time support and advocacy, go to thewaytomyheart.org. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. We're having an interesting conversation about call centers, of all things, and, and to some degree, the lack of kind of human interaction and uh, we've we've well, during the break we were just discussing some of the pitfalls of of you know having a script and, and what the the human is supposed to say on the other end. But uh, Marsha has a question uh, for Dennis. Marsha, what uh, what's on your mind? Hi, Dennis. Thanks for having me. I, I was interested in calling. It seems like anywhere I call a, a um, customer service number, I get someone overseas, and there's usually a language barrier. And I get a pat answer that really doesn't explain. And I get off the phone, none the wiser. That would be a source of real frustration. And I'll I'll tell you, in my career, I've worked for some really large companies with very large call centers. I've worked at Microsoft. I've worked at Oracle. And and I've worked for a major airline. And I've worked in environments where we've handled hundreds of thousands of calls in a day. And I think, I think on behalf of the, the companies, it's difficult to find labor. Not only is, you know, U.S. labor can be expensive, but there's a lot of people that no longer want to do that job. And so it has branched out to overseas, which is, can be frustrating. And I think really smart companies do a lot of work to do accent neutralization to help them speak, you know, English or, or business speak, right? To be able to talk about invoices or medical results or, or whatever the, the, the topic is of the calls they're handling. And I think demand for speaking with an agent, especially in healthcare with the pandemic, has, I think, ballooned more rapidly than the ability to educate and produce high quality labor to, to, to handle those calls. So I think it's a universal problem that a lot of companies are facing, but it's not impossible to overcome. And it does require, you know, finding out what your customers are experiencing, listening to what your customers are saying when they're giving you feedback about a bad experience and acting on that. And I think you can take, you know, different types of labor for, with, with, from different countries or even within the U.S. and you can educate and train them to provide a better customer experience. But I think 
I think a lot of times, at least recently, call volume has gotten ahead of a lot of these companies and they're behind. And it's what we call tech debt, right? They've got some debt that they need to make up for. And I think that's probably a lot of what you're experiencing. And so a lot of them are just stuck with a script, not much training, actually. And so it's so I always say to them, come on, you're just reading from a script. Can you just get me your supervisor? Get me your supervisor. You know, it's, it's, it's funny that having worked in, <laughs> having worked in these call centers, I, it was frustrating when you were told to follow a script. When nowadays I, I encourage companies to just provide bullet points or talking points yeah. about specific topics and just make it a conversation, right? And I think if you put the yeah. human element back in and it's a conversation that you're having and you feel like as a caller, you're not the person you're talking to is not reading from a script. It changes the entire dynamic and it changes your impression in a positive way about that company you're calling. But a lot of companies have been, you know, sticking to the script because that's how it's been traditionally done. And they need to break away from that old way of doing business. So what are some of the other glitches that you have found with these call centers that you just are like, really, is this happening? You know what? We had a healthcare organization that was complaining about misrouted calls, right? Calls going to the wrong place. And there was one healthcare organization, I won't mention their name, but when when a caller got into the phone tree or the IVR system, and it was, I think it was a choice for lab results, to hear your lab results or to speak to someone about lab results, press four, and the call were, were being misrouted into the morgue in a specific hospital. What? And the, and the <laughs> yes. So imagine being a caller, you want your lab results, and suddenly you're, you're routed to the pathology or the morgue and where they're expecting you to call about a loved one that might have expired, right? And so a really bad experience where this organization had no idea calls were being routed to the wrong place. And boy, was it the wrong place to send a call. Not a great experience. (laughs) Wow. So was this something that you discovered even before they did? But it it was already happening. It it was something that we discovered. We were kind of mapping out where these calls were being routed. And we thought, are you sure you want lab results to go to pathology? That should be an escalated area to go to. And then I'll also share with you, we had a a client who had no idea, a very large healthcare company that's one of the agents, they can be very clever, right? And I, like I said, I was one of those agents in my past, but, but the, the thing was they found out that if you had a lot of work from home agents really took advantage of this issue, that if you held your headset up to a microwave oven while it was running, it would deflect calls. So rather than get a call, it would reject <laughs> them and send them back into the queue. And we told the company this and they said, are you kidding us with this? said, no. And then they wanted to know which specific agents were doing it. Well, of course, we did tell them, but but it was, uh, and I don't know how somebody figured this out. And of course, the issue spread like wildfire among their agents and they were all working from home. They just walk over to the microwave and hold the headset up and it would suddenly start rejecting all their calls. So a lot of interesting things go on with technology. And again, the human element that companies don't know is happening. And that's why our technology helps them find out what the customer well, experience is. So, really. so Dennis, along those same lines, lines. Do you work with the companies to kind of help motivate their agents to get them to want to take calls or, you know, kind of unburden them a little bit? I mean, how do you guys innovate in that space? Because you had mentioned earlier, 
like, you know, it, people it don't want to do wrong. this job, right? Because it's people are kind of complaining at you a lot of the time, right? So, uh, you know, you know you guys- I, I, I manage a call center myself for our own company. We have a call center that, that handles tech support and other issues. And you have to really hire people that want to do this job, right? And and especially like in tech support, nobody ever calls in to say, what a great job you're doing. They're calling to complain about a problem with the technology or something's yeah. not working. And if you don't hire people that want to do that job, I think their next call be to the suicide hotline because it's very frustrating to be beaten up call after call after call after call day in and day out and you know i i try to teach them by example you have to make a game out of it you have to say all right how many times am i going to yell that today how many curse words am i going to learn today that i never heard before and as long as you have a positive attitude you can take that negativity and actually turn it around into a positive experience for the customer but it takes a certain kind of person to want to do that job well, I, you know, speaking of a certain kind of person wanting to do a job, our Save My Piggies guest, Connie, is is going to join us here shortly. Um, and But actually, Connie, you worked in a customer service uh, for, what, a, a police agency? Yeah, she was supervisor of the call center for the entire highway patrol for North Carolina. Oh, so you probably heard some curious or had some curious uh, conversations with, with folks. Yeah, that's a good word for curious. <laughs> Entertainment. <laughs> Well, coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we're going to hear some of those curious stories and hear your limb-saving story in our Save My Piggy series, so stay with us. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Save my piggies. Your life, your limb, your story. With interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips and Emmy Award winning journalist Kim McNicholas. It's that time again, John. This is your favorite series. It, it, it is, but actually, the, these these um, episodes have been getting so interesting that you know the whole episode's my favorite. But this is a good one, right? We we kind of mentioned before the break we were going to speak with Connie, a retired communications uh, center supervisor for the North Carolina Highway Patrol, um, and and you, Connie, you have uh, a vascular problem, right? That was diagnosed, and you kind of had a lot of sounds like a lot of bumps in the road, but uh, ultimately are on the road to recovery, right? Oh, I'm I'm in in great shape now, but I learned through this whole process to listen to yourself and to advocate for yourself and stand up for yourself. When they tell you no and you know it's yes, then you don't stop till you get a yes. Well, so your your journey started what in June of 2020, so kind of during the pand- pandemic when when folks were you know, locked down for a good portion of that, 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 that time. Um, and you had some blood clots. Is that right? Yeah. Well, um, on a Tuesday, I'll try to make this short, but on a Tuesday, I was going to an appointment and going down the hall in my house, I just fell down and it felt like someone had hit the back of my left leg with, with, a a, a hammer, a huge hammer. And I didn't know what was wrong. It kind of eased up and I went to my appointment, but it was getting worse. And I spoke with an EMT friend of mine and she said, sounds like a clot, go to the hospital. So I went to my local ER and the doctor there said, nothing's wrong. You don't need 
um, a scan or anything. Hmm. Yeah. You, you don't need a scan or anything. And you probably have low potassium. You need to go home and eat more bananas. Wow. So I, I have to ask, did they examine your leg? He looked at it. Did they check was for it. pulses? Um, he did. Okay. He said, well, it's kind of faint, but, you know, your leg is swelling, so something's going on there with fluid. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be, it'll get better. Okay. Just eat more bananas. More bananas. There you go. Okay. Words for that one, John. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. eat more bananas. So what happened next, Connie? The next day, that was Wednesday. What happened? So Wednesday, the next day, I already had an appointment with my primary care physician. She and I are very close. She's been my doctor for years. Um, she's all back the blue. Her husband was an MP. We have a great relationship. And she says, you know, I don't know why this fluid is in your leg here. Um, I don't feel any heat or I don't feel any hot spots. But if it's not better tomorrow or the next day, you be sure and call me. Okay. And later in hindsight, she was looking for DVT, not an aortic. Okay. Yeah. So, so just, just for the listeners, she, they were concerned that maybe there was a clot in, in one of the veins, which is a lot more common than an actual mm-hmm. like clot clot in, in the artery. But you ultimately had a clot in your artery, correct? Yes. So the next day, uh, it just got worse. And Friday, um, I was at work Friday night and I left and went to an urgent care because I could barely use my left leg. And the calf was huge. And I have bird legs. You know, it was just, it was horribly painful. And I saw her, she grabbed me by my shoulder. She said, look at me. You get out of here. You get in your car. You go right next door to the ER and you tell them you have a blood clot. And I honestly just went, yes, I knew it was. (laughs) Not that I wanted one, but I knew that. It's nice to get the resolve, the answer that you need so you can get a solution. Yes. So I went to the ER. Um, They immediately took me back. They haven't even done paperwork yet. They took me back. They start scans. Um, A doctor comes and tells me they're going to keep me overnight for observation. That vascular wants to see me in the morning. And about 20 minutes later, a man came in and said, hey, I'm your vascular surgeon. And I said, surgeon. He said, yeah, I need to do one more scan and we're going to surgery or you might lose your leg. Wow. So he told me before we went into surgery um, that it was a clot in the superficial femoral artery in my left thigh, and it was about two inches long, and there was a 35% chance that I would lose my leg in surgery. Hmm. And oh, it's scary. It's horrible, and I'm not going to blow it off, but I was just like, well, I can't change this, so do what you have to do. I, I don't know anything. And the next afternoon, I, I had surgery like one in the morning. I woke up the next afternoon, and my leg was still there. They came in. They had to do the double fasciotomies, which are if y'all don't y'all y'all know, but it's these huge cuts on each side of your um, shin bone to release mm-hmm. pressure and to debride out dead tissue. And um, things were going okay. My left. Little piggy was not well. He was not happy. Um, okay. I had to go back. You lost one. Did you, 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 did you lose that little guy? Look, I lost little piggy, 
but little Nubby came to stay in his place. That's what I call him, little Nubby. Yeah, so I had another surgery like a month later because one of the um, fasciotomies was leaking um, lymph fluid. Was it lymph fluid? Lymphatic fluid, yeah. So then I got a um, the wound back for about a month. And I was better. They took the toe on the second surgery. I was getting better. Things were better. And I started getting pains behind my knee and into my calf again. Um, and I didn't know what was going on. So I asked for another um, ABI. And it showed it was 45% blocked. I think it was in September. In November, things just got really worse. And when I went for another one, it was 95% blocked. So then I had a rotor rooter where they cleared out 17 inches, that artery. And since then, I've been good. That's a, a heck of a story. So I, I get the sense that we've got about a minute left, but I get the sense that you were kind of diagnosing a lot of this stuff yourself or, or at least kind of putting out breadcrumbs for the doctors to, to follow. I mean, did, did, like at what point did you have enough confidence that you were getting the right care? Or I guess at what point did you say, this isn't right. I need to go someplace else. When I found him and the, um, the pad group on Facebook and started asking questions and getting answers. And is this normal? Is this not? But I never, I'm very fortunate. I never doubted this surgeon and people can not like what I'm about to say, but I know that that first doctor in in my local ER blew me off to put me and everybody where we were supposed to be in that second ER when we were supposed to be there. He did everything right. He's explained everything to me. He gives me options. He laughs. He's like, where's your notebook? I know you have questions. Because I always go in with questions written down. But he said he likes that patient. Good for you. Well, coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we will have more Save My Piggies with Connie. So stay with us. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist, Dr. John Phillips. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us today. We're continuing our Save My Piggy segment by talking with Connie about, uh, you know, and, and we were kind of talking about this during the break, but the way Connie presented with kind of that abrupt onset discomfort in her leg, that's a pretty, that's common um, for folks with a, a vascular occlusion uh, in, in an artery, but you know, usually if you don't have enough blood flow or what we call collaterals or little bypasses, that that is a medical emergency that requires immediate pr- intervention. So, Connie, you must have had probably some small blockages in in that artery that then the artery closed and and you kind of uh, preconditioned it a little bit to to create some bypasses that allowed you to kind of keep going uh, with not, I mean, not totally normal daily life, but I mean, keep doing what you were doing for a couple of days until you ultimately got the, the clot removed. Is that your understanding? Yeah. The, the swelling increased, the pain increased mm-hmm. and um, the temperature decreased. 
you know, yep. started. And I would imagine too, you, you started having decreased range of motion and the sensation was, was getting worse. So once they kind of, and, and so the, the other issue too, the fact that you needed the fasciotomy probably in my opinion meant that this has been going on for a while because that's a fixed compartment that can only take so much space. Yes. And if, if it starts to swell too much, then you can really lose the limb and they had to, they had to do that. But, um, at the end of the day, you still have how many piggies left? None. None. I only, okay. I only lost, lost a little piggy. The little guy, which, you know, most podiatrists will tell you don't need anyway. Um, and I and didn't, wasn't bothered at all. He didn't. He was like, that doesn't bother you. And I was like, I don't care. And my youngest nephew, who's 22, he was like, oh, hey, when we go to the beach now, I'll be able to follow your track and see where you went. You know, <laughs> that's how my family handles things. That's what I said. I call it little nubby. That's awesome. Now, other, did, oh, go ahead, Kim. Sorry. For other folks that are going through, and we only have a, about a minute left here. Again, um, you you had to have been dealing with debilitating pain, and you still were going to work. You were still supervising this, you know, highway patrol call center that was very busy. How did you push through? How did you persevere? Were there games you had to play with your mind to just keep yourself going? Yeah, well, I was I was off. Um, I only went back to work that Friday of the Tuesday through Friday. And it just got so bad that walking down the hall, I realized I was just kind of dragging that left leg because I, I could barely put weight on it. And the people I work with, my team, actually, they were like, this is ridiculous. Go now. That's good. It's great. You had the support. Connie, you're amazing. And you're doing great now in 20 seconds or less, what is the biggest lesson you want others to learn from your story? I want you to listen to that voice inside. I do not want you to take no, or there's nothing I can do, or there's nothing wrong when you know there is. I could have lost my leg had I not listened to this voice and pushed on for somebody else. Somebody else. You're going to listen to me. This is wrong. Something's wrong. Thank you, Connie. Thanks, everyone, for listening to The Heart of Innovation and our Save My Piggy series. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room.